0: Welcome to the podcast M&A War Stories. You're joined by your hosts, Robert Heaton and Toby Tester. Each week, we walk through our experiences of M&A projects where we've been involved and we unpack the good, the bad, and the ugly. Our purpose is simply to leave you with valuable lessons that you could use in your M&A projects. And so let's not waste any more time and get this podcast underway. Hey, Toby, how are you doing? Great. Hey, Robert, we're here on the other side, 2021. Would you believe it? i am going to say, it's amazing. It's February. We've been this long. I mean, we know that Australia doesn't come back after Christmas until Australia Day. uh, But we've taken another month and we're back. And not only are we back, we're going to try a new format.
1: We are indeed, Rob. Well, the thing is, is that uh, last time, which I think was brilliant doing those episodes we did, and there were stories about your experience and my experience. We had guests on board, but yeah. I think it's great to shake things up and do things yeah. a little bit differently. So so how are we going to do it differently then, Rob? Well, I, I think we've got three or four different
0: areas. We'll invite people to comment about this on LinkedIn for us. But we'll start off with what's happening, sort of things that we've seen that are important that are happening in the marketplace. We can take a particular topic and distill it down to the core elements. We'll do a section on that. If there's a section on things that really get our goat, yeah, you know, that we want to have a rant about, or well, we could do one on that. We don't, we'll... rant, Robert, <laughs> <laughs> we
1: don't rant, Robert.
0: And then rant, do we? And then and then we can have a fourth section for. Uh, any guests that we might want to be Good. Good. You know, Excellent. I, I reckon if we keep it to that, we'll
1: yeah. see if
0: it is of interest to our listeners. and um, see how it I'm goes. sure they'll tell us quick enough
1: if we're not. <laughs> <laughs> so what's happening? <laughs> well, okay. Well, let me start, Robert, because as, as we said, what we want to try and do is just mix it all up in our yeah. podcast and, and have do, do little sort of uh, nuggets, observations, ideas, and thoughts. But one I want to s- start off with, Robert, and I'll be quick, and that is really just what are the trends? Here we are, 2021. What are the yep. big trends that are happening down in the world of MA? Now, interesting enough, now I'm sure that other people have seen this report, and it's a good one. I do recommend it. Bain and Company, they do produce a global MA report, and this one, their mm-hmm. twenty twenty-one report is only Just come out. And uh, look, it's interesting because I have a certain view as to where I think the market is going based upon what I read. And I read the Bain report. And I just want to give yourself and, and others a bit of a highlight as to where we've been and where we're going. And let me just do a few shout outs. Now, surprise, surprise, deal volume in 2020 was down. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I wonder that was why. due to Robert. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> I, I wonder. I wonder. I would also say, and huh. the peak of M and A volume. And I think, that perhaps, you and I felt this. I certainly felt it. And that was 2018, because I personally was never yep. so busy. I, I was working in three or four different countries in 2018, traveling you know from one country to another. So that was a, certainly, at a personal level, a very busy year. 2020, not so much. So there's that. Now. One of the things this report highlights, which I find interesting, and this is this whole notion, I've talked about this before, is that's capability deals. These are deals, the sort of deals that you do, which aren't to do with actually saving money or growing in a certain market sector. They're all about improving what you do. So it's maybe a technology you're bringing on board. Maybe it's um, some special skills in terms of the people. Maybe it's other things which allow you to innovate and transform and those sorts of deals have definitely been growing. In actual fact, over the past five years, there's been a sevenfold increase in capability-driven deals. Now, I find that interesting because I think that the overall trend in m a is going more and more towards business model disruption, disrupting business models, disrupting operating models, disrupting products, services, and continually doing that. And so, M&A is going to be much more transformational in the way the actual results that come from it.
0: Let me throw an example into the mix and see if we're talking about the same thing. I had a conversation a few weeks back with the head of M&A for Siemens in Germany. And it was around a particular new technology and a potential acquisition that they could make. And he actually turned around and he said, this is brilliant because this topic is part of our innovation agenda. Hmm. We we were about to put capital to one side to start doing an R&D, and we didn't see ourselves entering the market on this until about two to three years from now. Hmm. And you've just brought us an M&A deal that is ready to go. in that very
1: technology. So we fast track track the business by two years. Absolutely. But that's what M&A is all about. It really is about fast tracking. And it's a great way of doing it. So that was one interesting observation. Now, another one, which is actually contrary to what I thought, I thought there'd be a lot more divestiture activity in 2020. But there wasn't. No, no, I thought the same, but it's not happening, is it? No, and I, I think perhaps a lot of organisations found it basically too hard to carve out assets in 2020. And uh, I think there were, certainly there was m and people were just basically trying to keep afloat. But having said that, 2021 may well be uh, the year where we will see a lot more in the divestiture space. We thought we'd see it in 2020, didn't happen, but 2020 may well be. Your comment about 2018 being an
0: absolute avalanche year. Yeah, again, that's um, awesome. I reckon that M&A runs on a three-year time cycle. Hmm. I reckon you have a damn good year, Hmm. followed by a pretty slow one, Hmm. and then the year after that is readiness and preparation, and then you get another good year again. Yeah, you're right. I think 2021 is a consolidation year, and we're about to see a huge number of, Deals, but I think it will include divestitures. I just think yep. people expected them to be
1: early and they're not. Well, I'd, I'll summarize by what um, the Bain report said. And uh, in their report, they said that, they, that in their discussion with the executives, there's a, a good deal of optimism regarding 2021 and that yep. MA activity will experience an uptick, become more important for meeting growth goals and for co- developing new capabilities to compete in an ever increasing disruptive environment. And yep. so the role of M&A will become significant, particularly when it comes to innovation and transformation. So that's from uh, Bain, and that's my quick snippet on, on trends. That's brilliant, Toby, because as I say, that I've thrown
0: my comments in as well. I think 2021 is a change year. We're, we're about to see a lot of volume now from the integration point of view. Some of that might not happen until late 21 early 22, but you'll see a significant uptick in the number of deals that are starting to go through now. Yeah, uh, indeed. And so it uh, be interesting to see. And uh, just to add to that, I saw a note somewhere that uh, my old industry, the tech industry, is particularly high on the list in terms of deals that are going to be taking place. And I guess that plays back to your innovation idea mm, yes. of companies using
1: it for growth. Indeed. And that's, by the way, uh, Robert, We I would like to, in future podcasts, go back to, because we did some good um, episodes last year, wouldn't mind bringing those forward and bringing those thought nuggets back here again, just to talk about MA innovation and transformation, because there's some particular important lessons that we must always hold close to ourselves and for the benefit of others, so that we don't forget those key lessons. Well, on that
0: basis, I think that's a segue into section two, yeah, which is key lessons where we can take a topic and break mm. it down to its key components. Mm. I mean, if you like, I can have a shot at one. Or, okay. Or, yeah, you do that. Okay. okay. Well, I, the topic I want to talk about is culture and communication. Right. And one of the things I want to just say, well, there's no story behind this. What I'm going to do is make some statements. And let me know if you disagree with any of these. For me, when you're dealing with M&A, both culture and communication are absolutely critical elements of the deal. You've really got to pay significant attention, and they essentially go together, right? Cultural assessment and communicating what sort of culture you want in a business is key to the change element, and that, that they both fit together. But if you look at most deals, culture is very misunderstood. It, it, it's not treated with the seriousness that it should be, in my opinion. And in a lot of cases, people will turn around and go, oh, yeah, well, we've got HR that do that. And I think that's a huge mistake. They can help, but they're not the owners of cultural change. It's a responsibility that flows from senior executive team down through the organization. And the other thing is when you talk to people about culture, they'll often say, oh, yeah, well, of course, if you're doing a deal between France and and Singapore, yeah, you'd have to consider the cultural elements. But my argument is no culture applies across any deal. It even applies in domestic deals where you've got different cultures between two different businesses. And you really have to take those
1: Into account. I mean, am am I off my trolley or? No, no, not at all. No, no, I I do agree, uh, Robert. The couple of things I'd say to that. First of all, yes, culture is absolutely key. And actually, that's so important that uh, sometimes the very notion of integration starts becoming questioned in other words do you do it or do you yeah. keep whatever yep. the entity is you're acquiring separate because culture defines so much in terms of the way and all the business you're acquiring operates that you may want to actually keep it all separate and not infect it in any yep. way so yep. there's that aspect and the other thing i'll say about culture is that i i often talk about behaviors and and rather than talk about culture per se, to actually break it down into how it manifests itself, whether it's through policy, whether it's through organisation hierarchy, whether it's to do with remuneration. So in other words, don't look at culture and just talk about culture because otherwise we're just grabbing, it's like trying trying to nail jelly to the wall, to be honest. I'd rather talk about specifics and just break it down. Yep, I
0: agree. And that actually is one of my key points here is that Culture's got to be something that is a key component of your due diligence. Hmm, And and to your point, I had a scenario, I'm going back a number of years now, but I actually got sent to do some DD at a technology company that SAP was quite keen on acquiring. And I went back to the operating board and said, don't do it.
1: Hmm. Because Hmm.
0: the culture was so widely different. Hmm. So way off the mark... That it was going to be an absolute disaster right from day one <laughs> luckily luckily for me a few of the people on the operating board supported what I said yep and and the board didn't go ahead but you've definitely got to do that yeah and the other thing of course as well is and you're right it's about behaviors and if you break it down to that level, it means that you can lead from the front. It means that as an executive, you can lead by example mm. so that you show people what sort of culture you want
1: sure, sure. in the business. Yeah. Culture, culture is a very broad term, but it really manifests itself in terms of uh, behaviors. And those behaviors are shown through policies, procedures, organization, remuneration, yeah. the values that they espouse, right. the technology that they use, and it, and it goes on and, on and on. You can, you can break it down quite a few in terms of meetings. How often do they do meetings and so on and so forth? And then you can start tackling what are the behaviors you want to change. And then you can do very specific things to influence culture. But what I, what I would always say is break it down. Break yeah. it down into behaviors.
0: And and that leads very nicely into the fact that what you need to do is you need to plan for that change. You break it down into the behaviors. You work out where and how you want those behavioral changes to take place. You find your champions in that area. You demonstrate what those behaviors by example. Mm. Uh, Because if you don't, I mean, I've seen culture impact businesses where really good people that you need in the business just turn around and go, bugger this, I'm leaving. Yeah, And they throw their toys out the cot and leave. And that's that's a a key aspect of it. Mm. So from my point of view, culture is important. You need to make sure you include it right up front in the due diligence as part of your consideration. It can stop a deal. It can impact and make good people leave if you don't pay proper attention to it it's a responsibility that applies in my view across the entire organization so it doesn't fall with one group like hr it's across the organization it's led by the top and you need to plan carefully at the behavioral level for that
1: change to take place hmm. There you go. It's oh, easy, isn't it? Very good, yeah. Well, so, so that was your, Robert, so just so I understand, that was your little rant there, was it? That's a bit of a rant. It's a, <laughs> sort of a things that you need to do. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, an interesting you know? rant, nonetheless, because I think it's one that always bears, it's always worth repeating. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, Rob, I'll go on to the next uh, piece, which is uh, a bit of a news item, news corner. Yep. And I think like here we are, we're, we're dealing with a number of little topics here. We've um, talked about trends for 2021. And we, now you've had uh, a little rant about communication culture, which I think is a very important one. Now, a bit of news. So an important deal that's just occurred here in Australia. And I that's know. the Bank of Queensland's purchase of the yep. ME Bank for yep. $1.3 billion dollars. Yeah. Now, this is an interesting deal because it means that the Bank of Queensland expands their customer base from 900,000 to nearly one and a half million, which is certainly a big increase. Also, it's no longer quite Bank of Queensland so much, but it's more like the Bank of, I don't know, the whole of the eastern part of Australia, I'd say, because. With the acquisition of bank, which is predominantly, by the way, a Melbourne-based uh, company, and also right, has, has no has no branches, so now they've got a bit of a multi-brand strategy here. So here you got the Bank of Queensland, which I assume is kind of like for your addresses, like the baby boomer types who like that personal relationship, more of a traditional bank type operation. They've got Virgin Money which is more your Gen Z or millennial types who are going for digital-only banking and financial services products. And then you've got ME Bank, which has no branches, and that's for your mainstream digital-savvy individuals who don't need a face-to-face service. So interesting new strategy. Now, what's above all interesting about this particular deal it comes down to a transformation because the Bank of Queensland and the ME Bank have both been transforming their banking platforms. And as I understand it, the actual platforms reasonably the same. I think they're using the um, same platform technology-wise. So I imagine what's going to happen is that they're going to integrate that banking platform so that they can actually start just developing product and distributing products. So, What I find interesting about this particular deal is, A, it's big. It's a major play by Bank of Queensland, and it is both an integration exercise and a transformation exercise. It's also going to be an exercise in capturing
0: a particular age demographic in the market, Hmm. and the traditional banks – have more of the the old buggers like you and me <laughs> in their in their customer a youth pool. a youthful old bugger youthful
1: yes youthful exactly <laughs> but yeah I think it's a very clever deal I think, look I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's an interesting deal certainly but there's pl- there is execution risk because first of all <sighs> There's a big integration exercise. So there is that. You can't get away from it. There will be integration because you will be looking for certain um, savings, certain efficiencies so that you can scale. But, of course, then there's the actual tech, te- technology transformation program that will need to continue. And, of course, you're running all three brands. So you've got the Virgin Money, you've got Bank of Queens, and now you've got ME Bank, and you're going to be distributing products across each of them. Now, so there's there is certainly risk. And so... What I think Bank of Queensland needs to be aware of is that you cannot run this like a normal transactional M&A type deal. It has to be run as a kind of deal, which actually is more transformational and has that transformational mindset. Because something I've said to you before, Robin, on the on the previous podcast, and that is the transactional approach to M&A will not deliver transformational results. Nope. There nope. is a number of things you need to do differently to the traditional way we do MA to actually deliver the transformation outcomes you're seeking. No see. time to talk about it here. All I say, Ugh. I'm watching this deal. It is very interesting, but there's no shortage of execution risk here. Look, I'm going to close with a couple of observations from my
0: side, and I've got no idea where this is going to go. Yeah, But it will be interesting to see whether this deal comes out with a rebranding and that we bring Virgin Money, Emmy, and bank of queensland altogether under one new brand i don't know maybe that's what
1: they're planning on doing possibly possibly oh, that'd be interesting but that would be quite big risk actually <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> I you on. I, because in actual fact I mean a lot of the you're dealing with a um, very strong client base which you want to bring with you and I think yep. if you were to start rebranding my view is with rebranding is generally speaking you want to try and do that later than earlier I think that possibly. rebranding is possibly, possibly. You, know, something, you really want to sound out the market understand your customers well before you might uh, go through uh, I, rebranding exercise. We'll see, but I
0: think I think they do. And the other Mm. thing I was going Mm. to say is, is this leads to what you've been saying: is Mm. this clearly is a transformational deal Mm. that is harnessing innovation. They're realizing that the future customers of the bank are not going to be the people that going to want to walk into a bricks and mortar branch. Yes, they we're going to see more and more people moving. Online and doing their banking transactions virtually. We're going to see
1: a move well, to a me, cashless me, society. Well, Rob, when was the last time you went into a branch? I mean, when I, did when, well, you know? I didn't. And I tell you what, I'm trying to think of. I think last time, I think I bloody walked about a year ago. So maybe I don't even know. If it was that, maybe it was 2019 I last walked into a branch. It, and and it, it's a year since I actually took any cash yeah out out of a out of a, a cash machine now i remember why i, I walked into a branch It was because it was raining and i had to get in somewhere to get out of the rain that was it there you now go. I remember
0: there's a value for the banks after all
1: <laughs> <There is. laughs> i think that's i
0: think that's a good rap
1: yeah i think we great rub
0: those are those are good way to finish that
1: we, well we anyway all- i should say to our listeners here we're a bit rusty here it's 2021 we've had a bit of a summer break but we're on to yep. it and uh, you'll hear more episodes from us as we talk about a number <sighs> of topics surrounding the good old uh, area of m a
0: yeah and i think we should keep that our ears pinned on that bank of queensland me bank as it develops indeed and to watch it with interest
1: i think uh, we should yeah because i think well, there's there's uh, that's good uh, an interesting one to monitor
0: yep like you, Toby, that's our first podcast of 2021 with a new format. <laughs> new format. Yeah, which I'm sure to, our,
1: we're still trying to get the hold of. <laughs> we'll, we'll get I'm it right. Sure, <laughs> I'm sure
0: our listeners will tell us if they uh, think we uh, need to improve in certain areas. But like yeah. anything else, we will be back next week with a similar podcast and we will continue this format and hopefully we'll improve it as we go along. Indeed. It's been great talking to you, Toby. Good turn to you, Rob. Enjoy your evening. I will do. And we'll talk again soon.
1: Okay. Bye for now. Bye.